Well, good morning, First Service. Good to see you today. Glad that you're here. We're going to continue to open God's Word as we are in our third Sunday of Advent. Third Sunday of Advent. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me today to John chapter 1. We're going to start here. John chapter 1. This is where we've been the last few weeks. Page 886, if you want to use this Bible sitting in front of you. And we are going to look into this passage first and then uh, see more of Jesus in another passage. But let's start there in John chapter 1 today. While you're turning there, I just want to say a big thank you for all of you who got involved in Christmas Compassion. And uh, we did in many ways. Uh, some of us, we, in October, we were praying for this part of our week of prayer. And then you gave with special offering. And you'll see in your worship program today on the bottom uh, left-hand side of the worship program, uh, what our Advent Conspiracy Special Offering was. That number is just phenomenal. That's our extra giving. I just want to say thank you for that. I want to th- say thank you for bringing in food and blankets and helping. We've got a couple pictures of this past week. Uh, this top picture from yesterday as we went out and delivered our Mornings for Moms group on uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, put all the boxes together. Let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, we've got some turkeys up here. And uh, anyway, just, it was just a fantastic way. You know, and when we do this Christmas compassion, we say certainly we want to grow in compassion and we want to bless our neighborhood. But part of this is that we would grow in unity as brothers and sisters. And so thank you for getting involved in various ways over this past week. Uh, so I, I want to say thank you to you. I want to say thank you to Bethany Hale. Could we just give her a special thank you as our coordinator of all of this? Just a picture, she was the first one here yesterday, by far she was the last one here yesterday, and uh, she's still working on some of that today, but uh, I I certainly am reminded of God's goodness in all of this as well, And, and there were times throughout the week where I just said, God, you are good, and this morning as I was looking out and I just saw the rain coming down and realizing that yesterday we had blue sky, it was just another time where I was like, God, thank you for blessing. And he blessed in so many ways and, and some of those we do not know, but uh, God is good and he models compassion for us and he gives us opportunities to share. And, and so I was thinking, okay, we should just have an open mic this morning. You come up and share different ways that God is good. And I'm not going to do that. But I do invite you to share with those around you experiences you had. And just that is really the definition of praise that you would tell of God's goodness to other people. But one individual uh, came in today and said, I was so blessed. And I said, I'm going to have you come up here and share some of that story. So Don Easdale, I see you back there. Do not... You can't run from me. Come up here, buddy. And uh, Don, I want Don to come up and share a little bit of his experience this past week and specifically yesterday. Don's been a part of our church since the beginning in 1876. And, uh, well, maybe not that long, but uh, Don, uh, you came in this morning with just uh, a beaming face. Would you just tell us briefly about your experience yesterday? You're going to have to hold that really closely. There you go. Bethany worked me pretty hard yesterday. (laughs) I had five boxes, and I I started out with a gal that is kind of a recluse, doesn't let hardly anybody in her home. And then, from there, 
I went to a gal that's uh, raising a child that's not her own. I went to a guy that's getting a divorce with three little girls. I went to another place where the guy is in deep depression and his wife was about ready to leave him. And I thought, God, what are you doing to me? And you know, when I started out, my heart wasn't in it. I didn't, uh, and then the more I thought about this, I'm here for a purpose. Before I uh, I got done through the whole day, uh, hey, there was a lot of tears shed, mm. but every one of them people wanted prayer. And so I've got some dates to go to in January. I'm not going to wait till thanks to Valentine's. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to go in January, and I'm going to contact some of these people. Mm. Uh, the guy that was in deep depression actually wrote on Facebook for the first time saying great friends come through when needed and uh, God bless the people at our church, you people. Mm. So before the day was over, I was on cloud nine. (laughs) I know why God uh, gave me five boxes. Mm. So uh, when you think you don't want to do something, uh, I think God has a plan for you. Yeah, yeah. I learned a big lesson yesterday. I come here with a heart not willing to uh, accept the great day that I was going to have, but I left with many blessings. Mm. So thank you folks for giving. Mm. Thank Bethany for all your work. Uh, it's worth it. I love yeah. you all. Mm. Thank you, Don. Thank you very much, buddy. That'll preach right there. I mean, that's it, right? I mean, when your heart's not in it, you just show up, be obedient, and and God will do things. And so thank you, Don. And and again, as he said, thank you for all of you. Uh, As Don got to be the delivery, he was delivering cans that you brought in. And and because of uh, resources you brought in and prayers that you prayed. And so I want to say thank you. Some of you I know did not get to deliver something yesterday. And you said, man, I feel like maybe I've missed out. Here's what we did. We specifically kept some of the cookies behind and did not give them out to our all give them all out to our neighbors. We kept some here. And after the service today, on your way out, there's a table right behind this back wall that's going to be filled with some cookie plates. And we're going to ask that you take those with Christmas cards as well from our church to talk about our Christmas Eve service. But we're going to ask that you take one of those and use that as a way to get to know or bless a neighbor. And so if you have a neighbor, a friend, whatever, just take one of these cookie plates on the way out today. I know you probably... Take two if you want cookies that badly, you know, one for you. But give one out and uh, use this as an opportunity. Again, you might say, like Don, oh, my heart's not in it. You just be obedient to do something like that and let God open up the doors. And so at the end of the service today, you can grab some cookies. Well, let me share with you a few things uh, from God's Word today that has to tie in with all of this. Really, we'll start with this question today. What does the advent of Jesus tell us about God? We're in this season called Advent, 
And it's not so much what does these four weeks tell us about God, but what does the coming of Jesus tell us about God? For the people that were waiting 2,000 years ago, what does the coming of Jesus tell us about God? As we get ready to celebrate his birth in a couple weeks, what does the coming of Jesus tell us about God? Even when he returns again, what does the coming of Jesus, the advent of Jesus, the waiting for his arrival, what does that tell us about God? And I want to give you two quick answers, and then I want us to consider them today. One would be this, that God possesses infinite worth. I want to show you this today as we look into the Word of God. That the advent of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, shows us that God possesses infinite worth. Hard to even define that because infinite, I mean, it's just abounding and abounding and abounding His worth. But I want to show you that today. And then secondly, that God is completely praiseworthy. That God is completely praiseworthy. In all situations of life... Uh, whether rain or shine, whatever, God is completely praiseworthy. And I want to show you that as we look into this passage today. So as we go to John chapter 1, I'm going to call this the big Christmas story. Just the, the biggest picture of Christmas is what we've been looking at the last few weeks. John chapter 1. Let me review the last couple weeks in just a couple phrases. One, that God took on humanity. We read this in verse 14, the word became flesh, if you're following along, John chapter 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, we have seen his glory, and we've looked the last two weeks at that first phrase, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that God took on humanity. This is the big picture of Christmas, that God took on humanity. That right there should cause your mind just to blow a little bit and go, wow, and this should cause you to be awestruck in this season that God, this eternal being, takes on a human body. And then we said this last week that he encamped among us. Your Bible says something about that he dwelt among us, or some might say that he lived among us. But really the idea is that he encamped among us. And this is filled with a, a lot of Old Testament language, that God no longer lived in a uh, one temple or one tent or one tabernacle. But John is saying that this word, this expression of God, Jesus, his son, he encamped. He became the tent, the tabernacle, the temple where we would recognize God from here on out. And so we see this in John chapter 1 verse 14 in the word. Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me explain this a little bit here, because John is writing this maybe somewhere around 80 or 90 A.D. John writes this, and he's looking back some 50 or 60 years after he had been with Jesus, after he'd seen Jesus live and crucified, buried, raised from the dead, appearing again. And he says, I'm looking back, and 50 years later, 60 years later, and he says this, as I think back about what we saw in Jesus, the expression of God became flesh. He took on humanity. He encamped among us, and we have seen his Glory. He says, with our own eyes, we saw the glory of God. With our own eyes, we beheld something. It wasn't that Jesus walked around and all of a sudden, you know, he was just glowing everywhere. No. Because it says earlier in that chapter of John 1, it says that he appeared and people didn't receive him. Though he had made everything, the world didn't recognize him. 
They probably would have recognized him if he were glowing. If he had beams constantly coming out of his eyes and from heaven on him, they'd go, whoa, that guy's special. But he was looked as, as if he's an average person. But John says, we, as we look at Jesus, we have seen the glory of God. We have seen the Son's glory. We have seen the Father's glory. We look back and say, we saw his glory. So let me explain, what does this word glory mean? What was John trying to communicate when he says, we have seen his glory? It wasn't that he was on fire physically, but he's saying this. Glory. Let's define this word. First of all, let's look at the Greek word. If we're looking at what John uh, wrote down here in this word, it's the word doxa, D-O-X-A, doxa. I'll give you one definition for the word doxa or glory, and it's this, the radiance and display of God's infinite worth and majesty. The idea is this is seen in the presence of God, that God shows his infinite worth, he shows his infinite majesty, and he usually shows it as a sign that I am dwelling among you, I am with you. Now, I'm going to have you consider a few passages in Exodus. If we go very, way back here, and I'll just read this real quickly. In Exodus chapter 16, people of Israel have been released from slavery after 400 years. They're wandering through the desert. They start grumbling against God because they have no food in the desert. And as they're grumbling about food, it says this in Exodus chapter 16, that the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. As they're complaining, as they talk with Moses, as they're complaining to God about we have no food, God says, here's what I'm going to do. You look out there. And as they looked out in the wilderness, they see this ominous cloud coming. And they say, oh my. The infinite worth and majesty of God is showing. God is revealing something that he is nearby. They start seeing this. and God says, I'm going to show my glory in this cloud. I'm with you. I am nearby. And the Lord said to Moses, I've heard you grumbling and all the people of Israel grumbling. I want you to tell them that at twilight they shall eat meat. In the morning they shall be filled with bread. And here's the idea, is that you would know that I am God. Yes, I rescued you. You didn't understand that miracle enough. So I'm going to show you again this amazing miracle that I'm just going to drop bread from heaven for you, that I'm nearby, and I want you to know that I'm God. And it says that the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. So certainly they eat, and they're like, whoa, God was nearby. He did something amazing. And we're understanding more and more that he is the God of everything. He can drop cornflakes from heaven so that we can eat. Well, then in Exodus chapter 33, this is pretty interesting as well. Because it says this, uh, God has received the Ten Commandments from, uh, or Moses has received the Ten Commandments from God. He goes down, he sees the people forgetting about God. They're uh, making an idol, things like this. Moses says, I don't know what to do with these people, things like this. God says, my presence will go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Moses says, well, how shall it be known that I've found favor in your sight? How will these people know that I've really met with you, God, and that I have your favor? 
So Moses said, please, God, show me your glory. Show me your infinite worth. Show me your majesty. Somehow show this in your presence. Show me if you would. He doesn't even know what he's asking. Show me if you would who you are so that I can go back to these people and say, I'm leading you. So Moses says this. And and God says, and I will make all my goodness pass before you. All of my infinite worth, Moses, it's going to pass before you. My glory will shine before you. So God says this, there's a place, uh, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory, my infinite worth, my presence, as it passes by, I will put you in a cleft of a rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. And then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back but my face you shall not be seen. So God says, listen, Moses, I want you to know me, and I want you to know that I'm with you, and, and so I'm going to hide your face because my glory, my infinite worth, frankly, you can't even see that and live. It's that phenomenal. And as John retells the story of Jesus, he says, I want you to know we saw Jesus with our own eyes, and we beheld the infinite worth of God. We understood that God was with us, that he dwelt with us. So one definition of glory or doxes, this radiance or display of God's infinite worth or majesty seen in his presence. The second definition I want you to look at, because we see these two definitions throughout the Christmas story, is the praise that is due to God. Sometimes glory is just simply the praise that is due to God. So when you and I talk about things like this, I wanted the praise, I wanted the credit. Sometimes we say, I wanted the glory. I wanted the praise. I wanted people to notice me. Sometimes praise is also seen as, or glory is also seen as the praise that is due to God. So some of you who have grown up in the church for many of years, maybe you've sung a song at church called the doxology. How does that song start off? Praise God from whom all blessing flows. So the doxology is really about praise. It's praise to God really for his infinite worth. And so this is the big Christmas story that John is writing down. He says, I just want you to know that God, Jesus was always with God. He was God. He became flesh. He lived among us. And as I look back on his life, I want you to know that we have seen the infinite worth of God in this person of Jesus Christ. He wasn't just a baby born in Bethlehem. We saw in him the infinite worth of God. Now, that's the big Christmas story. Let's look at the specific Christmas story, one that maybe we're more familiar with. Turn in your Bibles, back a book to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, page 857. Luke chapter 2. We'll call this the specific Christmas story. This is the one that gets talked about a little bit more at Christmas programs. And this is maybe what you read on Christmas morning with your family. Let me start in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, page 857. Listen for the word glory a few times. Verse 8, and in the same region where there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. 
And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Go back to verse 8 again, if you would. In the same region there were shepherds out in their fields keeping watch over their flock. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Let me walk through this story a little bit here and make some points. First, this word glory here is the idea is that the angel, this angel, displayed God's majesty. If you can for a moment just envision being a shepherd. Here you are, you're watching sheep at night. Kind of boring at times. Rescue a few. Keep some from being knocked over. Things like that. You're out here not really doing a weather update on your cell phone. Things like this. I mean, I'm not, you're just out there keeping a watch. And all of a sudden, an angel and the glory of the Lord, the infinite worth of God appears. <laughs> Thus, the angel says, fear not. I know you just like had a massive panic attack here because the glory of the Lord, the infinite worth of God came with this angel. I don't know if there's lightning, if there's thunder, if, what that is, but something so amazing that when we're talking the glory of the Lord, Moses can't even see this. God has to keep his hand over his eyes on this. This would freak any of us out. When the God of the universe comes to make an announcement, he's packing an amazing punch. And he says, the angel says, listen, do not be afraid. Don't be freaked out. Verse 13, we see glory, but we see it used in a different way. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel who had just made that announcement, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, and they were saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom his favor rests, with whom he is pleased. At this point now, more angels pronounced God's worth. This first one is really displaying God's glory, but this second one pronounces God's worth. These angels come by and they say, glory to God, praise be to God in the highest. If we were using Latin words here today, we would say something like gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory, praise in the highest to Deo, the deity, God. So when you sing those songs every once in a while this Christmas season, ah, glory, praise in the highest to this God. Now let's go back to verse 11. And I want to show you this. For unto us, the, sh- the angel said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now it's important that we understand that this is more than just some little baby. More than some little baby given the name Jesus. A lot of people have been named Jesus. All right, the name Yeshua, it's the name Joshua, a lot of Joshua's, a lot of Josh's. There's more than something than this baby being named Jesus or Yeshua. But this Jesus, he was the perfect display of God's glory. And this is what John was saying in John 1. This Jesus, this one from heaven, he is the perfect display of God's infinite worth. 
Now, there are some passages in your notes, and I'm going to ask you to look at those this week to understand more. After they have viewed Jesus' life for 30 years, the way he lived, the way he died, how he was raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, they say, let me tell you about this Jesus. He was really the perfect display of God's glory. It wasn't that he was glowing necessarily, but all of God's fullness lives in this one, this Jesus. He is the Christ, the anointed one from God. He is the Lord. He's the master of everything. He's the savior. He's the one that's going to save us from our sins. He's the one of infinite worth. And so in Jesus, God embodies all of his glory, all of his infinite worth in this one. His character, he's he's full of love because God is love. He lives out forgiveness because God is forgiving. He's full of compassion. Why? Because God is compassionate. And this Jesus is the perfect representation of God's glory. Now go to verse 15 if you would. Now when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that it had been told of them concerning this child. They're saying, this is the one. is Christ the Lord. He's the Savior. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Seems like he's just a baby, but you're saying he's the anointed one? He's going to save us? He's the Lord of all? Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen as it had been told to them. They left glorifying God. Now, which one is this? Are they praising? Sure. Are they somehow showing God's infinite worth? Are they talking about God's infinite worth? I think so as well. I want you to write this down, that the shepherds glorified God. Because this is going to have practical application for you and I and how we live our lives today and tomorrow and the rest of our lives. The shepherds glorified God. They left praising God. They left speaking of God's great worth. And as you and I interact with God... And as you and I interact with his glory, his infinite worth, as you read and connect with him and understand who this God is, you and I end up glorifying him. More than just praising him, yes, we praise him, but somehow you get to show off his infinite worth. So that when someone says, like Don said, someone gets on Facebook and says, wow, People would do this. Blessings from God. Somehow we are showing the infinite worth of God by the way we get to live. Let me tie this all in then and talk about the glory of God and us. Kind of talked about how John viewed this and some history and what happened on that Christmas day. But let's talk about the glory of God and us. And I want you to know this, that God designed us to glorify him. God designed us to glorify him. He designed you to glorify him. You 
are perfectly designed to glorify God. I know sometimes you think, you know what, if I had more education, then I could glorify God. Or if I worked, you know, on a church staff, then I could glorify God. Or if I sinned less, I could glorify God. Or, you know, if something, I could glorify God. I want you to know, God has perfectly designed you to glorify God. Let me show you a few ways. One, you and I are called to let our light shine. You are called to let your light shine. If you have received Christ as your Savior, if you've said, you know what, God, I'm a mess. I've got a sin problem. I believe that you're the remedy, Jesus. If you have received this forgiveness, if you've received this new life, then you have a light from God. This Jesus who was the light of the world, he actually says, you're now the light of the world. He calls us to let our light shine. Let me show you a passage in Matthew 5. Let's look at this. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. That's not what they do with it, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, you let your light shine before others. Watch this, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is what Jesus says. I'm actually empowering you to be the light of the world. It's not that you're special. You have this light of Christ in your life. You let that shine. As you let that shine, people will see your good deeds and then give glory, give praise, actually see God's infinite worth through broken people like you and me. So I was looking at this, I thought about, okay, Christmas compassion. For the last couple of years, I thought, you know what? I'm so tempted to call the newspaper and say, you, you share some good stories in town. Let me give you a good story. Sometimes you share bad stories, and that's newsworthy. I get this. But let me tell you a good story. A group of people, they give of their own finances. They bless in our community. They bless in Mexico. They bless in Sierra Leone. We do these things. And I've just been tempted the last couple of years to call the newspaper and say, do an article on us. Because if you do an article on us, then the Willamette Valley would see how great we are. And that's really what stops me. It's like, I don't want them to see how great we are. So next year, don't get the idea of calling the newspaper. We'll just keep doing this. But the people whose houses we go into, they don't have to read the newspaper. As Don was sharing that, and he's like, five, got to do five deliveries. But there are people with problems, and they're like, thank you. And I got to see that as I got to go in some homes yesterday, and some of you did. And as we get to do this, and as you give plates of cookies to your neighbors or bless your neighbors in whatever way, all of a sudden they see our good works and they even say, God bless. God's doing something here, right? They see something. Here's the deal. If they really understood what messed up people we were, they would really praise God. They would say, God saved you. God changed you. God turned you into a giver. Because if we shared our stories, we would say, we're either religious, arrogant people who God is making compassionate. Or you'd say, I was so broken. I was totally an enemy of God this way. Either way, if people heard more of our stories, they would say, wow. If God can do that for you, he probably can even do something in my life. And Jesus says, let your light shine. Let your light shine. 
Because when you do this, they will see your good deeds and they will praise and glorify or they will see God's glory in this. And this is part of you glorifying God. This would be my hope is that people, whether they receive cookie plates or a card or a box or however you are serving in your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, as you live, they would say, somehow I have seen God's glory. I've somehow seen God's worth. I've somehow seen God's forgiveness and compassion and love through ordinary people like you. And that they would praise him. Let me give you another way that we can glorify God, and it is this, to connect to Jesus, to connect to him. Now, this might be for the first time, or this may be a reconnection, but let me give an illustration or a picture here. I have a plant in my office, and I take care of this plant, partly because it came from my grandma before she passed away, and I have this plant, and I take care of her, and I talk to her, and water her, and do things like this, and every once in a while, I see this plant producing another leaf. And at one point, I saw this plant actually produce a flower. And even this last week, as I'm looking at this plant and taking care of her, I smiled at the plant. I said, I'm so proud of you. You, You're producing. And I said these words to this plant. Don't think this is two word. But I said, it is to my glory that you bear much fruit. All right? Just keep growing. It, it, It blesses me. That you bear much fruit. I'm working in you and I care for you and it blesses me that you're growing. Now don't think those are weird words because I'm really just quoting Jesus. I'm quoting Jesus. Let's look at a passage in John chapter 15. Jesus said this. He said, I'm the vine. I'm the life source. You're the branches. You're the extension of me. And whoever abides or stays connected to me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Watch this. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, as you stay connected to me, as you talk to me, as you pray to me, as you worship with me, as you say, Jesus, I need you. He goes, I will produce my life in you. And I will look at you and go, oh, you're producing love and joy and peace and patience. And you're showing compassion in your neighborhood. And you're blessing your neighbors. And Jesus is saying, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. I have these raspberry bushes. I love them. I talk to them. Right now, they're just in a mess of heap. Right now, they look like, oh, nothing's going to happen. But right now, they're just resting. They're getting recharged for another spring and a summer. But when they produce fruit, I go into the backyard and I say, oh, it is to my glory that you bear much fruit. Ultimately, it is to God's glory that you are bearing fruit. God made you this way. And I work on this so that you would produce much fruit. And you will glorify God. You and I will glorify God as we stay connected to Jesus. So much more than showing up for an hour on a Sunday morning, right? That's not the best way to stay connected. That's a way to stay connected. But anytime you talk with brothers and sisters who have the Spirit of God, anytime you read His Word, you listen to worship music, any of these things, you connect with God, and you will bear fruit, and this will glorify your Father in heaven. 
Let me share one last thought then on the idea that we are designed to glorify him. And it's this. Seek to glorify God. Pursue this. Make this an ambition. God, it is my desire to glorify you. To make your name great. To live in such a way that people would say, why are you so forgiving and so compassionate and so loving? Why are you producing these fruit? And it is to point to God who has done this in my life. Seek to glorify God. Now let me say this. This is not to earn God's favor. I know sometimes we come to church and go, okay, I lived a bad week this last week. I need to earn God's favor. So I'm going to try this hard to make him proud of me. That's not what we're talking about. You can't earn God's favor. As you place your faith in Jesus, as you confess your sins and say, I believe that that paid for me, that is how you ultimately get God's favor. But you can say, God, I want to honor you. I want to live in a way that gives you praise. I want to live in such a way that people would see you as they see me. This isn't earning salvation when I say seek to glorify God. You're only going to get salvation as you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. But once you have done that, there is this idea of I want to honor you, Lord. I want to glorify you. As I was thinking about this, it's pretty easy for us, isn't it, to talk badly about people? was convicted of this this week. I was hearing from somebody and talking about this, and he was talking about glorifying God, and I, I verbally laughed out loud, and I said, this is what the Lord is asking me to teach anyway, and he's talking about glorifying God, and I realized sometimes I don't when I talk badly about people. But when you choose to honor God and say what is only pure and what is only building up of others, I want you to know that that glorifies God. I've had to check myself this week and just say, I'm going to glorify God with my words. Because right now, some things just want to bubble out. I'm going to, God, I want to glorify you with my words. Maybe it's this, because for some of us, it's fairly easy to give a poor work effort. Maybe at work, at home, you say, you know what, I'm not going to give my best. But when you choose to honor God, when you choose to give him your best, when you choose to give the best for the boss or the company or your family, when you choose that, that glorifies God. He's like, hey, it is to my glory that you're bearing fruit and giving your best effort in this situation. Frankly, it's very easy for us to be selfish and self-centered. I mean, we just wake up and the first thoughts can be about us so often. But when you choose to honor God, when you choose to consider others better than yourself, when you look not only to your own interest but to the interest of others, when you look to know and bless your neighbors, you're saying, God, I want to glorify you. Honestly, I just want to lock myself in a room and watch TV and, and think of me. But when you choose to consider others better than yourselves, when you choose to bless and know your neighbors, that glorifies God. And so you and I, we are perfectly designed to honor God. We are. Perfectly designed by Him to make Him known. We are. 
It's not going to end with, okay, Christmas compassion is behind us, and as soon as I get rid of this plate of cookies, then I'm done. Listen, this is just one more step for the rest of our lives to glorify God, to let our good works be shown, that people would see us and what we do, and ultimately it's not about us, but they would see our Father in heaven and praise Him. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians 10, 31 that says this, frankly, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for his praise. Do it all so that he, his infinite worth, would be known in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your church, out in the world. All of your life is to glorify God. So as I look at this Christmas story again, the big Christmas story, John is saying, We saw God's glory in this Jesus. That's the Christmas story. But specifically in Luke 2, in this passage, we see glory, glory, glory. They left and they glorified God. And I would hope that as we get ready for Christmas ourselves, two weeks, I guess, from today, that we would say this story is about a glorious God, isn't it? One of infinite worth. One that came down, lived among us, to show us his heart, to rescue us, empower us to do the same with others. As we have said, as the Father sent his Son, even so Jesus has sent us. And he has sent us that others may say, oh, we've seen his glory as well. How great would that be? The people would say, through you, through your efforts, through you, I was able to see the glory of God. I was able to see his infinite worth. I was able to turn my life over to him. I was able to praise him all the days of my life. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and reflect on this with me for a moment. This Christmas story, we can say, yeah, I've heard it. I know the key players, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the angels. But it's really a story about God's infinite worth. Taking on humanity. Dwelling in camping among us to be God with us. And then God does something in us and ultimately through us. I I don't know what God would speak to your hearts today. But I would ask that you'd listen to him. You'd turn your life over to him. That you would reconnect to him. That you would make him a priority in the next couple weeks that are very busy. Even as it was said earlier, my heart wasn't in it when I started. But I just did it and God showed up. Heavenly Father, uh, that is our story, that our heart is not in it. Our heart's out for ourself. Our heart is not for your praise to make your worth known. We confess that and thank you that you are compassionate and gracious to us. 
And it's kind of crazy that you would use ordinary people like us, that as we give of our resources and our time and our energy, and as we listen and talk, that somehow others would get to see your glory, get to see you, to see that you are the one and only God. And I pray over the next couple weeks, Father, that you help us to connect to you. For your glory, the people would be pointed to you, that you would say, yeah, it's to my glory that you bear fruit. So help my brothers and sisters. Help us to not just live for ourselves, but to live for your glory. And as we do that, you will give us opportunities to show your love, to show your light. And so we thank you again, Jesus, for leaving your throne in heaven, for giving us this example, for changing our lives so that somehow we could tell of your glory. We love you. We commit our lives to you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.